Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as always, alongside me is fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Knockle. Robbie, how have you been? Pretty good, Garrett. Another week, uh, another another episode. Another week in the books and another episode. Robbie, we are, that means we are one week, if not one day, inching slowly closer to the start of the 2021-22 season. Uh, Robbie, I'm happy to say that this time next week, when we're recording, uh, when we're recording our weekly episode next week, that we will have, uh, we will have regular season hockey to dissect and possibly overanalyze. But hey, we, we've waited long enough for hockey to be back, so we will have that fun next week when we get to it, and we will talk about the regular season more this time next week. But for this week's episode, we have to uh, we'll, have, we'll have some some preseason games to recap, and we'll look at some of the good and some of the bad that have come with uh, the Penguins' preseason performances. So uh, we'll kickstart this episode by looking at the, the three most recent uh, preseason games that the Penguins have played as of this recording, and uh, the games we'll be looking at are the games against the Buffalo Sabers on October first. Uh, a game against the Detroit Red Wings on October 3rd, and another, another game against the Buffalo Sabres on October 5th. And so, Robbie, I guess we'll go back and we'll start with the game that the, the Penguins played against the Sabres on October 1st. It was a winning effort for the Penguins, winning this one by a score of 2-1. to one. Not a whole lot of scoring here, and stats are pretty even across the board here. The Penguins have 26 shots on goal to the Sabres, 32. Both teams take 50% marks in the face-off circle. The Penguins 0 for 2 on the power play. The Sabres 1 for 2. Both teams have 9 penalty minutes. The Penguins finish the game with 7 hits. The Sabres with 9. The Penguins with 14 block shots. And the goal scorers for the Penguins. Uh, Dominic Simone gets the scoring going for the Penguins at the 16:45 mark of the first period. Pittsburgh out to a 1-0 lead. Into the second period now, Tage Thompson always seems to find a way to score against the Penguins. He gets his first of the preseason as well on the power play. Buffalo ties it at 1-1. And Michael Chaput gets his first of the preseason, gives Pittsburgh a 2-1 advantage, and that would be all of the goal scoring here. Pittsburgh takes this game by a score of 2-1. Robbie, not a whole lot to to digest from this game with only being three total goals scored, but... uh, if you're Michael Chaput or Dominic Simone specifically, uh, we know Penguins fans have ragged on Dominic Simone in the past for not having uh, not having the best hands or finishing ability to f- for his puck to find the back of the net. Well, he gets the scoring here in this game, getting the Penguins out to that one nothing lead. So uh, 
Robbie, these pre these preseason games, I've told you before, I, I'm not one to take a lot of stock into individual performances. Uh, if we go if if we go and look at the five games that are played a week from now, and you know maybe we'll find some some uh, some consistencies with players over the five game stretch. You know maybe that's a more a realistic thing to do. But when you look at these individual performances, it has to be good for Simone to find the back of the net. Michael Chaput is a fringe player, probably going to end up in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. But uh, what are some of the conclusions that you take away from the Penguins winning two to one here against the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, for preseason games, it's really based on what you see out of individual players uh, and maybe some chemistry here and there. But I think you make a good point that there's, for the Penguins especially, there's been some guys that have really stuck out in a positive light. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit more in depth here in a little bit. But if you look at the individual performances in some of these games, it's clearly some guys are taking a crucial step in making this opening night roster if they want to, and they've used these preseason games, preseason games to their advantage. I think it's clear who the fringe guys are just based on what Mike Sullivan is rolling out during these preseason games. And if you make out who the fringe guys are, you can tell who's playing well, who, who's not. And the guys that are really pushing for that spot have made a very, very big impact, uh, especially in this last week of preseason hockey games. Yeah, Robbie, there are spots available on this Penguins roster. There are battles that are taking place to see who will etch out a, a permanent spot in in most likely what will be a couple of bottom six roles that are available. And I know one of the bigger battles in camp has been who will round out the top six on that third pairing on that right side, whether it be a Mark Friedman or a Chad Ruedel or maybe even a P.O. Joseph. And like you said, we'll get to that more in depth here momentarily as we move forward here. October 3rd, the Penguins face off against the Detroit Red Wings. Six goals were scored here. A combined six goals were scored. The Penguins scoring Five of those six goals here. Penguins winning this game by a score of five to one. Jeff Carter gets the scoring going for the Penguins at the 345 mark of the first period. Pittsburgh out to a one-nothing lead. That's followed by a Casperi Kapanen goal at the 1256 mark of the first period on the power play. Pittsburgh out to a two-nothing lead. Pius Suter would break the sh the shutout for Detroit. At the 1546 mark of the first period on the power play as well, uh, that lead is cut in half. Pittsburgh still leads by a score of 2-1 to one heading into the second period. Heading into the second period now, Chris Letang gets on the board. Pittsburgh leads by a score of 3-1 to one at the 423 mark. Danton Heinen, who we will talk about uh, in great detail here momentarily, he gets his name on the board at the 1515 mark of the second period. Pittsburgh out to a 4-1 to one lead here. And one final goal, Kasperi Kapanen gets his name on the score sheet again with his second goal. Pittsburgh wins by a score of 5-1 to one here, Robbie and Danton Heinen. Like I said, he will be a name that we talk about here momentarily. Uh, I thought he had a great showing in this game. Kasperi Kapanen, of course, gets the two goals here. Uh, I remember seeing a tweet from the Athletics' Jesse Marshall. And I don't think it was this game. I think it was the, the game against the Sabres on October 5th that we'll get to about into in a, in a second. And he said, I think he, he said that if Kasperi Kapanen keeps playing the way he's playing in this preseason, he could pot like 60 goals, which is obviously uh, a pretty extreme thing to say given Kasperi Kapanen's uh, prior history. Obviously, he was uh, joking 
in the manner that he was delivering the tweet. But there are very encouraging things to take away from this performance as well. Kasperi Kapanen getting multiple goals, Danton Heinen finding the score sheet, and Jeff Carter, who I'm not going to say I had concerns about coming into this season. I just wasn't sure the kind of pace that he would be able to keep up. You know, he comes to Pittsburgh from the trade deadline and immediately explodes and scores all those goals. And I still don't think he's going to maintain that pace once the regular season starts. And this is still preseason, so keep that in mind. You know, none of these goals, these goals count for confidence and for players who, like you said, are on the bubble trying to make that roster. But, you know, at the end of the day, these goals are... For, for a guy like like Jeff Carter or Casper Kapanen, it's good to see that they're scoring these goals and and you know ironing out whatever kinks that they have here. But I'll hand the microphone over to you, and you can give your thoughts on what you saw from the Penguins' performance against the Red Wings on October third. Yeah, the Detroit game was definitely the most commanding uh, of the performances that we've seen from the Penguins in this preseason so far. And again, it gets back to more the focusing on the individual performances. The guys that are scrapping for those uh, final few roster spots um, or even just to make an impression for call-ups when the inevitable injuries uh, happen here during the season. Um, We know that uh, the Penguins are an injury-prone team. They're an older team, so those spots are going to become available. And if these guys are sent down to Wilkesboro to start the season, they want to make a good impression during their training camp here that they can get that call-up when the time comes. So, Overall, uh, it gets ba- uh, back to the Penguins looked really good against Detroit. Um, Kasperi Kapanen has looked absolutely phenomenal uh, this entire preseason, and let's hope that can keep up. Um, uh, there's other guys we'll talk about a little bit later, but Carter gets on the board. And going to your point, I don't think that we should expect what we saw to Jeff Carter in that after he came over from the trade deadline last year, because um, that he was on an incredible pace, but if he can, once he gets off that first line, once Crosby comes back and he gets more of a second, third line role, I think you can expect um, a good production out of him. He is a goal scorer. He has always been a goal scorer. He's a pure goal scorer, but he can also dish the puck as well. And he's a guy that if you give him the wingers, he's going to put up numbers. And even if he needs to create the offense himself, he's going to be able to find the back of the net. He's, I believe, one goal away from 400 for his career. That is a very big number. He's been extremely successful goal scorer his entire career. Will he put up what he did in that short sample size last year? Maybe that's a little bit wishful thinking, but I see no reason he can't be a very, very productive player for this Penguins team um, all over the ice. We said this last week too, Robbie, someone is going to have to score the goals here with, with Crosby and Malkin both out to begin the season. So whether it be a Kasperi Kapanen who looks great or a Jeff Carter who's still chugging along at, at 36 years old, someone's going to have to score the goals. And uh, it's good, like you said, once Carter does get, go down further into the lineup in that third second or third line center role when when uh, some of the more dependable offensively minded players do come back into the lineup that's obviously going to be a positive but certainly there are positives that we're we're obviously taking away from these games and some of some more of it continued here in the October 5th game against the Buffalo Sabres the Penguins win this one by a score of 5 to 4 in the shootout uh, the Buffalo Sabres get out rolling fast and furious here in the first period. Brett Murray gets the Sabres on the board at the 540 mark of the first period. That's followed up by a goal from Vinny Hinestroza at the 1533 mark 
of the first period. In the second period now, Drew O'Connor gets his first goal of the preseason, cuts that lead from, uh, from a two-goal lead to a one-goal lead. Buffalo leads by a score of 2-1. to one. Victor Olofsson on the power play makes it a 3-1 to one Sabres lead before the second period comes to an end. And in the third period, a whole lot of scoring happened. Drew O'Connor with his second goal of the night. That makes the that makes the score three to two Buffalo at the three fifty four mark of the third period. Redeem Zahorna is a player that we'll be talking about again momentarily. He ends up tying the game for the Penguins, makes it three three at the midway point of the third period. Anders Bjork gives the Sabers back the lead at the twelve minute mark of the third period. The Sabers lead by a score of four to three. And in the dying moments of regulation, Casperi Kapanen. Gives the Penguins another another chance to live, uh, gets the tying goal. Regulation ends with Buffalo's four goals to Pittsburgh's four goals. Nothing happens in overtime. Both teams get a couple of chances. We go into the shootout where Kasperi Kapanen scores in the shootout. Brian Russ scores as well. Jack Quinn scores for Buffalo. R2-D2, Ristolainen scores for Buffalo as well. Danton Heinen scores in the shootout. Tage Thompson gets a goal. And Jason Zucker gets the game-winning goal in the shootout after Anders Bjork was denied. Pittsburgh, again, wins this game by a score of 5-4 to four in what was a very entertaining shootout round. Very entertaining game overall with lots of action in a frantic third period. Uh, this game... At first, before the third period concluded, it was shaping up to be the Drew, Drew O'Connor show, having two very impressive goals, in my opinion. Uh, Redeem Zahorna, who has been getting an extended look at the center position, gets on the board here. Kasperi Kapanen gets his third goal of the preseason as well. So there's definitely some resilience here, Robbie, from these Penguins players. Uh, Buffalo obviously getting out to... Uh, multiple goal leads at multiple points in this game, whether it be the two-goal lead in the first period or going up 3-1 to one in the second period. The Penguins battled back with, with uh, Drew O'Connor, Redeem Zahorna, Kasperi Kapanen, getting the t- game-tying goal with less than a minute to go in regulation, and then, of course, all of the frantic action in the long shootout. There are positives to take away from this performance as well. Kasperi Kapanen looked great, and Drew O'Connor is, like you said, uh, one of those bubble players or fringe players that's looking to uh, looking to earn a permanent spot in the bottom six of this Penguins lineup. And I think this performance went a long way into at least forcing Mike Sullivan to say, well, this is a guy that I might have to go with. He's performed well to this point, and uh, I think we're at least going to give him a chance to start out the season in the bottom six. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you again, and you can share some of your thoughts from what you saw between the Penguins and Sabres on October 5th. Yeah, this was a big game for Drew O'Connor and Redeem Zahorna. Uh, Kapanen continues to just score. I mean, like I said, he had a big. He's had a big preseason. He's looked very, very good um, so far. He's a point per game in this preseason, which I mean, it's the preseason. It means nothing, but um, it's good to see a guy like him stepping up, especially when they're going to need guys to score goals in the absence of some of these big stars. Brian Rust three assists, including the one on the game tying goal. Carter another goal, but really it's. Um, it's up to Eric Carter didn't score, but he had an assist in that game. But uh, Drew Connor and Reddy a Horna in this uh, third game here, and then the crazy shootout. Drew O'Connor, he got a little taste. He got his feet wet last season. Looked a little out of place, but he's looked one of the most impressive players in this preseason training camp for the Penguins. And I think right now he's probably earned himself a spot on the opening night, on the opening night roster. A good, good 
bottom six guy, uh, has the looks of it, has some speed, has a nice shot. And listen, right now with the Penguins needing offense, any guy that's scoring goals in the preseason, I think you got to take a shot, a shot at in the um, in the regular season, just to see what he brings to you, uh, brings to the team. And Drew O'Connor's shown that not just in that one game against Buffalo, but the entire preseason, uh, he's been very good, very effective. He's uh, all the reports coming out of camp saying he's been really impressive in practice, and he's. Based on all that, he's been more impressive than some other fringe guys uh, that are on the team. So, uh, and then a big a big showing from Zahorna as well, scoring in the third period on a beautiful pass for a beautiful pass. Just he just tapped it in. It's just it's amazing a guy that tall has the hands that he does. He looks so skilled when he has the puck, and he looks like he can finish. It's really kind of bizarre to see a guy with that size have that kind of finishing touch and. Uh, again, it's something the Penguins can use, and maybe he finds his way into that opening night roster as well. And to Zahorna's case specifically, Robbie, before we move on, uh, like you said, I, I'm gonna, I completely agree. It's so weird. He is six foot six, six foot seven, and uh, I was kind of hesitant to draw any sort of conclusion. Uh, you can't really draw too many conclusions from Zahorna's play last season in the brief cameo appearance he made, but he did get on the score sheet multiple times. So, uh, you know, we'll see if that carries over and going into our next segment here. I, I, that's one of the things I want to talk about is now that all of these preseason games have been played, I want to get your thoughts on whose stock has risen and whose stock has fallen. And looking through some of these preseason statistics, uh, Danton Heinen is, is a name that I've mentioned. He's looked, he's looked fantastic. He has, he's at a point per game pace through four games played so far as of this recording, uh, one goal and three assists. Kapanen has three goals and one assist and four games played. Brian Rust with three assists. Carter looks like he hasn't lost his scoring touch. And then on the flip side, you have guys who, maybe had a chance to make the opening night roster. Younger players like Nathan Legaray and Samuel Poulin, who probably realistically had an outside chance looking inward of making this roster. They 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 appear like they're headed towards Wilkes-Barre-Scranton to get more seasoning as their junior careers ended last season. And for both players, this will be their first professional season. So for, for players like Legaray and Poulin not making the opening night roster out of camp at 20 years old isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's just that obviously they may need some more seasoning as they get adjusted to the professional game and they will get that certainly in Wilkes-Barre. Brock McGinn, uh, one of the other big free agent acquisitions this offseason, has zero points and a minus one in two games played. Uh, you're not really looking for offense from McGinn. You're looking for more of that that tenacity, speed, and penalty-killing ability that replaced Brandon Tanev's role. So, But uh, not really overly impressive on the score sheet for McGinn. So, Robbie, while we have some, some, some good to take away from this preseason, and and Danton Heinen and Casperi Kapanen, we have some eh, we have some meh, maybe not so good performances. Like I said, with guys like Legere Poulin and McGinn, to name a few. So, with that said, with enough preseason games being played already, I'll hand it over to you so we can get your thoughts. Who do you think has been good so far, in your opinion? And who do you think, uh, as of right now, probably has an outside shot of making the roster, or more realistically? likely landing up in Wilkes-Barre Scranton to start the season. Yeah, like I think you mentioned there, obviously your big, your big, um, the big names that have stuck out are Zahorna, uh, O'Connor, 
uh, Heinen, especially since Heinen was a guy that they really, really liked when they signed. He was kind of an under the radar kind of signing, but the Penguins were really high on him. And they think that he can bring a lot to the team. And he's so far in the preseason, he's been very, very good for the Penguins. Other than that, Zahorna, did he take the 4C spot away from Brent, or Brian Boyle? Man, it seemed like Boyle was like a given that he was going to make this team. And I still think they're going to give Boyle a shot. So we'll see where Zahorna winds up. Uh, Connor or O'Connor, I think he's on the team. I really do. I just think you can't ignore what he's done uh, this preseason, uh, not only in the game, but also in practice and training camp. So I think he's on the team as well. Uh, on the blue line, I don't think Joseph is ready, or not that he's not ready. I just don't think the Penguins are going to have him on that opening night roster. He's been decent in camp and preseason uh, from what I've seen and what has been reported. Uh, but I just think they're so jammed up there on his side of the ice that it's really uh, – I just don't know if they have the means to get him in the lineup uh, right now without any injuries or anything like that. Um, other than that, disappointments. Legere and Poland definitely stick out because they're two of the big names in the system. But at the same time, they just came out of juniors. They are making their first steps into the professional game. So it's a little early to completely wipe them off. And maybe you would have liked to see a little bit more, a few more flashes out of them, even if they weren't going to make the team uh, right now. Uh, maybe a few more flashes out of them to see what they have going forward. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, Legere, who a lot of people were maybe even more high on than Poulin, uh, he has that shot that's so wicked. He just doesn't quite have the skating yet. So hopefully that improves um, as he gets some professional experience down in Wilkes-Barre uh, this season. And maybe at some point we do see him, uh, him and Poulin up with the with the big club. But as of right now, um, I just think you have to uh, Drew O'Connor in the lineup, redeem Zahorna, maybe an extra guy. Maybe he does crack the roster. Maybe they decide that. I mean, Boyle and Zahorna are about the same exact size. Boyle maybe gives you a little more penalty killing um, and defensive work, but maybe they just say, hey, we're just going to roll with Zahorna in these few, first few games till we can kind of move the roster around once Crosby comes back. So maybe that's the way they roll here uh, early, but I think that O'Connor is definitely in the lineup uh, on uh, Tuesday night in Tampa Bay. Um, of all the uh, quote-unquote fringe players, Danton Heinen, I think, has earned a spot as well. Uh, other than that, I think most of the spots are pretty much taken. Uh, the blue line, I think, is kind of settled and it has been. And the goaltending situation is what we expected it, um, even with um, um, Louis Domingue uh, in camp. But I think we know it's going to be Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. Let's throw some hypotheticals in here. Let's look at a hypothetical lineup here. Assuming that Zach Aston Reese and Jake Gensel uh, come off the NHL's COVID list by October 12th, you know, you could be looking at a lineup uh, consisting of Jake Gensel, Jeff Carter, and Brian Rust on line one. You could have Jason Zucker, Evan Rodriguez, and Casper Kapanen on line two. Let's let's put Zach Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger back together with Brock McGinn on that third line. And for right now, I'm having a hard time trying to pinpoint where Brian Boyle goes because, like I said, at, like you said, at one point I thought he would have been a lock to make this lineup, a, a, a big body, veteran presence, uh, providing some of that grit that I know uh, – that I know uh, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke like. Does Boyle become that fourth line center with 
with Danton Heinen on one side and maybe Redeem Zahorna on the other, and then that would leave a guy like Dominic Simone as the 13th forward, or maybe you send him down to Wilkes-Barre as well. And then looking on the defense, you have Brian Dumlin and Chris Tang. That's a lock. Uh, Matheson and Marino, that's probably another lock. Pedersen probably takes that third uh, left side defense role. And it's probably it's probably Mark Friedman and or Chad Ruedel at this point. Probably Ruedel more than Friedman, I would have to guess. But uh, we'll have to wait until lineups are officially posted by the Penguins. I did forget. I did forget O'Connor. You brought up O'Connor. That was one name that I did forget. So uh, the Penguins do have they do have options as they try to configure, especially configure their bottom six. We'll see what happens between now and October 12th uh, before the first puck drops in Tampa Bay. But uh, the Penguins, at the very least, they do have some flexibility to try and move things around, see what works and what doesn't work while we wait for both Crosby and Malkin to take their places back in the lineup. So uh, with that said, Robbie, let's move into our mailbag segment this week. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you are interested in asking us a question for our weekly mailbag segment, you can do so by sending us a tweet at our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account, at Pensburg Pod. Every week we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this segment. We love to know what our listeners are thinking and what they have questions on, what they want to know, what they want to get answers for. Uh, this week, we don't have a huge mailbag. We just have two questions, but two interesting questions that I think warrant some discussion here. So, Robbie, as always, you'll get first crack at the mailbag this week. And uh, I love this this Twitter user's display name. This is directly how I copied it from Twitter. Question number one comes from Brian, in parentheses, Pope Darth Maul the first, which is that that that's that's a crazy Twitter name, but he has he has an equally interesting trade scenario that he thinks might benefit all parties. So I'll read this trade scenario that Brian has submitted to us. I think if the Penguins are out of the playoff hunt by the trade deadline, Malkin and Latang should be traded to contenders for draft picks. I could then see both of the players returning to the Penguins for the 2022 season like they never left. A trade or trades like this would have benefits for all those involved. The team or teams that get uh, either um, either Malkin or Latang could get a boost for the cup finals. The Penguins get more draft picks, increasing the chance to improve their prospect pool via the next several drafts. Malkin and Latang get a chance to play for another cup and can still return to the Penguins for new contracts in 2022 that allows them to finish their careers with the Penguins. This is a crazy trade proposal. Certainly, it's not the craziest thing I've seen a Penguins fan submit when talking about uh, possibly trading Malkin or Latang. I personally don't see it happening, but it's it's not like it's it's not like you'd be trading Latang and Latang and Malkin for seventh round draft picks. So I'll hand it over to you, and I want to get your thoughts on this really interesting trade proposal. Yeah, interesting is definitely a good way to put it, and there's a lot to break down in this. So one thing I will say is the assumption here is the Penguins are out of the playoff hunt by the trade deadline. While it may be popular to say the Penguins will not make the playoffs this year or are a fringe team, um, a bubble team. Being a bubble team means you won't really know by the trade deadline whether or not you're in the playoffs. So 
Now, if they would be like in a Buffalo situation or a Detroit situation where it's very obvious that they're not going to make the playoffs, then we can talk about this then. But I don't think the Penguins are going to be bad enough that we're going to know by the trade deadline whether or not they're in the playoffs, meaning they might need the services of Malkin and Latang to make that playoff push rather than being better off just shipping them out for draft picks. So I think we're still maybe a few years away from a full-on sale of your best talent for draft picks kind of thing. Uh, but again, we can revisit this conversation in February or March when we know more about what the season holds. But I don't think the trade's going to happen regardless because I just don't – Malkin especially just because, again – Mario has been, I mean, it's been rumored for years now that he wants Malkin in Pittsburgh for his entire career. He doesn't want another Yager situation. And he's just, he's not willing to, at least not in a trade. Now, if they want to, if they can't come to contract agreements this summer and they both walk as free agents, that's fine. Do I think the Penguins are going to ship out two franchise icons just for draft picks only for them to return in the offseason? Not really. No, I just don't think. I just don't see it happening like that. I really don't. And it's a very interesting scenario and definitely something that, I mean, warrants discussion because it's a very, it presents a very interesting scenario uh, to discuss. I just don't see it happening um, because mostly one, I don't, don't think the Penguins are going to end this window, or this era with trades of two of the biggest superstars that made it possible. Two, I don't think the Penguins are going to be either in a comfortable playoff position or completely out of the playoff picture come the trade deadline. They may need, they likely will very well need Malkin and Crosby or Malkin and Latang uh, for a playoff push. So getting rid of them would not make any sense in that regard as well. But I just, it's just the scenario altogether does not come together for me just because I just don't think that's how the Penguins are going to want to end this era with 87, 71, 58. I just don't see them going the route of dumping them for draft picks uh, at the trade deadline. I just don't see that. Now, now, unless it's an offer they just absolutely can't refuse, I think the better offer would come for Chris Letang just because defensemen like that, even at his age, don't come around very often but if i had to put my money on it i would say that this that malk and Latang are both penguins at the end of the season whether or not they're penguins in 2022 is another discussion but i don't see them being a part of any kind of trade at the trade deadline unless the penguins would be just completely out of it and just trying for any kind of rebuild because even those draft picks are going to be post crosby malkin era anyway so I, I they're just too crucial a part of what the penguins do the penguins aren't ready to shut that window yet and i think that the penguins that window is still open and they're going to need 71 and 58 uh to help keep it propped open especially at least this season all right question number two also from brian do you think the pen the pen should have pulled the same thing tampa did last season with kucherov and placed gino on long-term injured reserve Yes, and I believe the two scenarios here with Kucherov and and Malkin, I think I think one is different from the other. What was Kucherov 
Was Kucherov fully healthy at any point during the regular season? Could he have come off long-term injured reserve and played during the regular season instead of participating in the playoffs from the playoffs onward? You know, that's for that's for you to decide if you think if you think the Tampa Bay Lightning manipulated the salary cap or circumvented the salary cap in any way. But uh, I, I do believe, if I haven't heard already, I've either uh, mistook uh, Ron Hextall for his word, or uh, I did hear that Evgeny Malkin will be placed on long-term injured reserve because of the length of his injury. I mean, I, I, we're not really expecting to have Malkin in the lineup until at least Christmas time. It's probably not going to happen until after the holiday season. With all of that time, I believe long-term injured reserve will be used for Malkin, and that will create some flexibility for the Penguins should they decide to exercise it. Robbie, I don't know all of the ramifications, and I don't know all of the ins and outs of long-term injured reserve, but what I do know, the gist of it is you get that cap relief for you know whatever player is injured. I know Patrick Kane was on it and Kucherov was on it, so they have big cap hits. So however long that player is injured for, you put them on long-term injured reserve and you get that amount of cap relief, whatever that player's cap hit is, you get that cap relief for however long they are on long-term injured reserve for. And then I do, I believe when they come off long-term injured reserve at that point, Robbie, correct me if I'm wrong, would that team be over the cap if, uh, if, if they have utilized long-term injured reserve and, you know, let's say, Malkin, what what's Malkin's cap hit? Nine point five million or something somewhere around there. Yeah, so, I believe that. Yeah. So let's say his cap is nine point five million. He goes on long term injured reserve. The Penguins have nine point five million to use, however they see fit, if they need to use it. Um, and then when Malkin comes back, he comes off LTIR. The Penguins would be would then be over the salary cap limit by that nine point five million, depending on how much they use of it or if they use it at all. Um, I do believe with some certainty that uh, GM Hextall has said that uh, Malkin will go on long-term injured reserve, and we'll see what kind of flexibility that provides the Penguins, and if they decide to use it or if they feel that the roster as it's currently constructed is good enough for them to wait until Malkin gets back. So uh, I, I think, yes, to answer your question, Brian, Malkin will go on long-term injured reserve and the Penguins will get that cap flexibility, but I don't think it's going to be a season-long long-term injured reserve stay for for Malkin. I think he will come back at some point in this regular season. Yeah, so for what I understand is, yes, that $9.5 million would be no longer on the books. They would not account against the salary cap, but once he came back, it would. So they'd have to adjust for that. So you couldn't go out and sign a guy for four and a half million, Malkin come back, and all of a sudden, yeah, you're way with this. So you can't. You have, there is again. It's not the the same situation as Kucherov, obviously, because Kucherov didn't come back to the playoffs, and when the salary cap doesn't count, you can just bring back whoever. Which it was all within the rules of the CBA. So there's nothing much you can really say about what Tampa did. Um, crafty work on their part, uh, but overall. Yeah, Malkin will go to LTIR for at least the first, and the only thing we know is at least the first two months, um, it's going to be, yeah, like you said, at least the holidays, I would expect, maybe even after the holidays, so you're into January at that point. Having him off the books will help with being able to move guys around, up and down, uh, from Wilkes-Barre without having to do anything too um, 
too crafty with the salary cap because you have all that space. It'll be interesting when he gets back, how everything will be handled, but it gives you a little breathing room for the time being. Um, now, as going back to Tampa Bay's thing, one, Tampa Bay, you had a shorter season where they could get away with uh, not having a guy like Kucherov, and two, they had the depth to make up as much as possible for a guy like Kucherov. The Penguins don't necessarily have that depth, especially at center, uh, like that Tampa Bay team did last year. So, I mean, there's some a lot of differences. They'll definitely use LTIR for Malkin um, for the time off it could be it's probably at least january at the at the, at the minimum at the earliest we'll see Malkin back is january so other than that um it's all within the all within the cba um it'll be a nice weapon to get back in mid-season when Malkin uh is healthy again um i'm sure he'd like to get some games back before uh before the olympics in february i'm sure he's going to do everything to get healthy for those so they will do kind of what Tampa Bay did with Kucherov, just maybe not to the extent the extent of what they did with Kucherov, because we clearly expect him to be back before the playoffs. So, all right, and Robbie, that'll be that'll be a bridge that will cross when we get to it a, cu- a couple of months from now, uh, when Malkin does make his eventual return, and if the Penguins, you know, if they if when they do place him on LTIR, and uh, like you said, at the very least, it's going to be used for flexibility to bring guys up and send guys down to Wilkes-Barre. If they do end up making a rather significant move, move, whether it be through waivers or trade, you know, you'll we'll be the first ones to talk about it here on the podcast or at at pensburg.com as well. But that will just about do it for this episode of the Pensburg podcast. Robbie, like I said at the start of the show, this time next week we will have real regular season hockey to talk about for the first time in four or five months. That is going to be a blast to to kickstart this regular season along with you and the rest of our listeners. Uh, So, Robbie, uh, if you have nothing left to say on your end, for yourself, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast. We will talk to all of you lovely people this time next week.